GSLTW, that was the acronym at our soccer camp this last week. That was on the back, and maybe you saw it as the kids were up here. Uh, that was on the back of their uniforms. And, and we are hopeful that every child walked away knowing what that meant. Do you guys remember what it means? What does GSLTW stand for? God so loves the world. Yes. Uh, based on uh, the most popular passage in all of Scripture, John 3, verse 16. Uh, John 3, verse 16, For God so loves the world uh, that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Well, while that is the most popular passage of the world, or of, 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 this, of Scripture, John 3, verse 16, I wonder if it's so popular that once in a while uh, we, we just rattle it off without ever really mining the depths, the beauty of that passage. And so today, you know, we want to kind of savor the sweetness of it. And you've heard me say this before in regards to this passage. I always think about like a, a piece of hard candy with it. I'm horrible with hard candy because I pop it in and I, I'll, I'll like for, for two seconds and I'll say crunch and I'll, and I'll chomp it down within like two or three seconds. And I, oh, we got a dentist here today, so sorry about that. Um, not a dentist, a, an oral surgeon. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I just feel, and then I'm like, oh man, I wish I'd have that piece of hard candy again. And, and, and I think that's sometimes what we do with John 3, verse 16. We, we pop it in and all of a sudden, you know, two seconds later, we chomp it down. And, and so today we're going to spend some time just savoring the sweetness of John 3, verse 16. Uh, not just because the beautiful gospel, good news truth, in fact, it has that nickname, it's sometimes called the gospel in a nutshell, uh, but this passage also really teaches us about our triune God. All three aspects, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, are found in, in John 3, verse 16. So looking at these familiar words, uh, first of all, let's, let's savor the sweetness of the Father. You know, so it starts off, for God so loved the world. Now, we've just been thinking about this all today, that, that God has three parts, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But oftentimes, when the Bible just says God, sometimes it refers to all three, sometimes it's just talking about the Father. And that's, what, that's the case here. For God so loved the world, it, it is talking about the Father. And, and you look at that opening phrase, maybe our eyes are drawn Right away to that, that verb, for God so loved. We often hear, God is love. And, and that word, that, to savor what it means, uh, you know, love is one of those words also. Just like John 3.16 is quoted often, I think the word love is, is used so often that it really has become emptied of its significance. And you think about all the things that you love. I love mint chip ice cream, all right? You do too, all right. Mint chip ice cream, next, next uh, potluck. Um, you might talk to some of the soccer campers or campers from this week, and they might say, oh, I love soccer. Uh, but we also love people. <laughs> we love family. We love friends. And, and so it, it just sounds totally strange for us to say, you know, I have the same emotion, feeling, I love ice cream and I love my wife, those dare not be the same thing, right? Uh, but, and so to help us understand a little bit more what this word love means, um, uh, share a little insight with you is, 
maybe this is her, part of the um, limitations of our English language, is that it, love can encompass so much. John 3, verse 16, this key verse that we're looking at today, was not written in English originally. Uh, this was written in a, a language called Greek, and, and Greek, interestingly enough, has four words that we translate as love. And to give you a little insight as the word that's used here for love, it is the richest. It is the deepest word uh, that they would have ever used for love. They would have never used the word that they use for, for ice cream. Uh, and I'll just share the word with you because you might be seeing it around in society. It's called agape. Maybe you've heard of agape. There's, in fact, in Midtown, there's a, a counseling center called Agape Psychological Center or Psychological Services. Uh, so it's this word Agape, or the word that's used here in any time, in fact, uh, God ha and love are used in a, as a combination in the Bible. It, it is this type of love that is, it is so selfless. It is, I am going to show this love to you without ever expecting or looking for anything in return. It is an internal attitude that always results in action. It is an, maybe that's the point. Love is a verb, not an adverb describing how you feel. It is a verb. It is something that you do. Love does. And you see that very clearly in this key verse, right? God so loved the world, but it doesn't end in a period. God so loved the world that he gave. His love led him to do something that he gave his one and only son. And you look at that phrase, what it allowed him to do, just to, to let that soak in, savor that sweetness. You know, I've, I've been thinking a lot about this over the last five, six weeks, honestly, um, because when, whenever you see a new baby, right, uh, and, and we've had, had some conversations about this lately with new parents, uh, how, how life-changing having a new child is, uh, you know, that firstborn child. And maybe I'm, uh, you know, maybe I'm just becoming old sentimental. I've never been called that in my life. Uh, but, uh, uh, but, but thinking of, of seeing a, a firstborn daughter uh, in our neighborhood and then having my daughter come home and, for, you know, we don't have our kids all home at once very often and so this is about the only week that you're going to see all three of them here. And, and I was, you know, I've been thinking about this, especially in line with this sermon, uh, of what that was like, that, that natural bond, uh, inexplicable bond, sometimes between parents and children. Uh, I remember bringing our, our daughter home, and I think it took us two days to turn on the TV because we were just so enamored by this seven-pound, five-ounce human being uh, sitting on our laps, and, and could never imagine sacrificing, and I know that sounds morbid, but I could never imagine sacrificing, giving up one of our children for, for people that I don't even know. But then you look at what God did here. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And you think about how close the father and the son must have been. I mean, we, we, we get close after sitting two days in an upper flat apartment 
And, and God the Father and God the Son had an eternity of experiences together. I mean, when they went down memory lane, like, I mean, I went back 22 years, they could go back in eternity. They could think about, you know, the Father's trip down memory lane could have taken him to day six of creation when he and the Son conferred, hey, let's, let's make humans in our image. The father's trip down memory lane could have taken him to, to that day that, that he shut the door on, on Noah and his family, keeping them safe in the ark. Uh, the father's son, uh, or the father's trip down memory lane with his son could have taken him to, to Egypt, where they, where they rescued their adopted kids, the Israelites, from slavery. I mean, they, they had an eternity of experiences together. Just imagine Imagine how close the father and the son were. And they were, that was a perfect relationship. Our relationships aren't perfect. Theirs was a perfect relationship. Can you imagine how tight they were? And yet, at a certain time, God said, the father said, okay, I love the world so much that I'm willing to send my son for you. The Father loves you so much that that's what he's willing to give up. To savor, savor the sweetness of the Father's love for you. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Now before we savor the sweetness of the son, I'm going to skip over him for a little bit and slide to the spirit. And savor the sweetness of the Spirit. So you look at that theme verse again. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Uh, looking at that word believes. You know, every, every Sunday when we gather here, uh, we have as part of our services what is called a confession of faith, a creed. A creed is a statement of faith. Now today, uh, coincidentally, is a little bit different. <laughs> The one Sunday of the year, Trinity Sunday, uh, we bust out what's called the Athanasian Creed. Um, years ago, in about the 400, so 1,600 years ago, uh, there was a big controversy that God isn't really Father, Son, or Holy Spirit. And so a gentleman by the name of Athanasius spearheaded efforts uh, to come up with a statement of faith, a, a press release, you might say. Say, we've got to defend uh, who God is. And so they... They, they wrote this very long confession, and they did it in such a way that it sounds very, I guess I would say, defensive or almost argumentative, that we, we want to be understood, but we also don't want to be understood. So the Father is this, but the Father is not that. The Son is this, the Son is not that. And, and so it goes on and on and on and on. We're just going to read some experts of it, excerpts of it uh, today for our confession of faith. But 51 uh, other Sundays of the year, uh, we confess what's either called the Apostles' Creed or the Nicene Creed, which are summaries of our faith, summaries of the triune God. And we'll say things like, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. Or we believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived and born and, and suffered and died and rose again and all these things. And, and, I, and I think we just rattle those off, just like we rattle off John three sixteen without always thinking about savoring the sweetness 
of what we're able to do. Maybe we're just happy to stand after the sermon, and so we, we're, we're thinking about the relief on our backs or our backsides instead of what the words that are coming out of our mouths. But it is no small thing for all of us to stand and say, I believe. I believe. Because the Bible says, you know what, by nature we are spiritually dead. We cannot move a muscle in regards to forming or fostering a relationship with God. And yet here we are, every week, gathering here, saying, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. That is a miracle. The Bible says no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And that's what comes up here. For God so loved the world that he gave his one only said that whoever believes in him. The fact that you can believe is, is savor the miracle that the Holy Spirit has, has worked, taken that his word and planted it in your heart so you can believe what is being said here. And, and, and maybe to, to go a little bit further, it's not just the fact that you believe. A faith in and of itself isn't that big of a deal. But it's specific. It says that whoever believes in him. That's the key. I, I probably sound like a broken record with this, but I, you've heard me say this before as well, is that faith or belief is only as strong as the object in which it rests. All right, so if I, if I look at little Wyatt over there, or little Carson back there, or, 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 or little Audrey over there, if I look at any of the little ones here and say, I really believe that, well, I'll pick on Wyatt, if I really believe that Wyatt's going to catch me if I jump into his arms, if I really, really, really believe it, is it going to happen? What if my faith is this big in him? See, my faith is only as strong as, as long as he's strong, but he's not that strong, right? To catch me, my faith is only as strong as in the object in which it rests. But you flip that around. What if Wyatt maybe has this little much of faith that when he jumps off that chair that his dad's going to catch him? Even if he only believes this little bit, it doesn't matter because his dad is stronger, so his dad is going to catch him. So too, that, that what, is, what is key, what the Holy Spirit does, it's not faith that saves, it's faith in Jesus that saves. That's the key, as it says here, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him. And so today, we savor the sweetness. Not just that the Father loves you so much that he gave his son, but we savor the sweetness that the Spirit has used his word and used the sacraments to lead you to have faith in that son. But now to think about who that son is. You know, you look at those, those, that last line there. Whoever believes in him, in Jesus, shall not perish, but have eternal life. There is quite a contrast in that closing phrase. Shall not perish, but have eternal life. And in order to really appreciate and savor the depth of what is, is being said there, 
we really need to first start off with the truth that there is a possibility of perishing. That hell is real. And hell, in its most basic definition, means uh, to, to be separated from God. That you are void of all of his blessings. That you, would, you wouldn't have the sun shine on you. You wouldn't have food. You wouldn't have protection. You wouldn't have healing. You would be completely uh, void of, of any good thing that comes from his hand. Hell is suffering. Hell is rejection. Hell is, is anger. And hell is, is what we would all have. But, that's a huge three-letter word right there. Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. To appreciate what Jesus brings, we see what, first of all, he rescued us from. And then you think, consider what eternal life is. It's just the opposite. So if hell is, is, is being separated from God, eternal life at its core is being with God. Face to face. Heaven, eternal life is, is pure joy. Heaven is, is, is no more tears, no more sorrows. Heaven is, is acceptance. Heaven is, is peace. Heaven is life. And look what it says here. It's not just something in the future. So it says, shall not perish, but have. It's actually a present tense. You have it already. The fact that you are here today and that the Holy Spirit has, has worked in your hearts, you already are getting a taste of eternal life. So savor that sweetness. There's one more point just to, that I want to point out here. And it's, it's maybe seen as an insignificant word of John 3.16. And that's the indefinite pronoun. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever, whoever believes in him. There may be a tendency to skip over uh, something that seems so indefinite, but there is definite comfort in that indefinite pronoun. Because what does whoever assure you of? It assures you that this promise, this gospel in a nutshell, this sweet verse. You don't have to have some kind of great pedigree for this to apply to you. You don't have to have a certain degree of education for this to apply to you. You don't have to have grown up in the church for this to apply to you. It doesn't matter if you have a squeaky clean background or not. This simply assures you that this is meant for you. The gospel of Jesus, the good news that God sent his one and only son, that whoever believes in him has eternal life. This, that little word, whoever, assures you that it, it spans cultures, it spans classes. It assures you that God loves you no matter who you are. And so savor 
Savor that sweetness today. Savor the sweetness of the Father who loves you so much that he was willing to send his Son. Savor the sweetness of the Spirit who has planted faith in your hearts that you can say, yes, I believe in that Son. And savor, savor the sweetness of the Son who lived in your place as your substitute, who died an innocent death as your substitute, who rose again to secure eternal life for you. Amen. Please stand.